Welcome to Stories Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Weldon. Today's story is called The Road to Camelot, an original story written for you by Daniel Hines. Today, we'd like to say a special thank you to Lila and Oliver and the rest of the Ratcliffe fam family, Orion and Jasper and their family in Northampton, Massachusetts, Oliver and Charlie and the rest of their family in Williston, Vermont, Margot and Ramona and their family, Remy, Nico, John, and Julia and their family in Massachusetts, Beatrice and her family from Ottawa, Paisley and Fox and their family, Amelia and Declan and their family from Bend, Oregon, Noah, Abel, and David and their family from Victoria, British Columbia, and Joshua and Jules and their family from Sunnyvale, California. Thank you so much, Jules, Joshua, David, Abel, Noah, Declan, Amelia, Fox, Paisley, Beatrice, Julia, John, Nico, Remy, Ramona, Margot, Charlie, Oliver, Jasper, Orion, Oliver, and Lila. You are part of what makes it possible for us to continue to produce fun new stories for our listeners. If you would like to support Stories Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes or just tell a friend about us. You can also head over to patreon.com slash stories and make a monthly donation. For just $1 a month, you can listen to all of our new episodes and our entire back catalog ad-free. Now here's a word from our sponsors. I've never been brave enough to wear a jumpsuit before, but Stitch Fix sent me one in the mail, so I decided to give it a shot. I have never gotten more compliments on a garment before in my life. I wouldn't have chosen it myself, but the expert personal stylists at Stitch Fix motivated me to step outside my comfort zone, and it paid off. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that not only delivers unique styles for adults, but now also delivers children's clothes, shoes, and accessories directly to your door. First, you take a style profile quiz, provide details about the kind of clothes that make your kids feel their best and most confident, and then one of those expert personal stylists will send a hand-picked box of items based on those preferences. Stitch Fix Kids has every style you could want in sizes 2T to 14, so every kid can find their own style. No subscription is required. Shipping, exchanges, and returns are always free. Discover new styles and find unique pieces with Stitch Fix. Get started today at stitchfix.com kids stories to try Stitch Fix with no styling fee. And get an extra 25% off when you keep everything in your box. That's stitchfix.com kids stories. Stitchfix.com slash kids slash stories. Stories podcast is brought to you by Chase. All my real estate friends say the same thing. The last few years have been a seller's market. So how does someone like me looking to buy their first home stand out and get taken seriously? Chase's closing guarantee is one way to give you the edge you need. As a Chase customer, you're guaranteed to close quickly or you get $1,000. So you can show homeowners you're serious about buying without the personal letter or gift basket or skywriting it over their house. Get in your first home even faster with Chase. Learn more at chase.com stories. Chase, make more of what's yours. All home lending products are subject to credit and property approval. Rates, program terms, and conditions are subject to change without notice. Not all products are available in all states or for all amounts. Other restrictions and limitations apply. Home lending products offered by J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., an equal housing lender. Thanks. Enjoy the episode. The Road to Camelot Once upon a time, two knights were making the long pilgrimage to Camelot. 
The legendary King Arthur had called for the best knights in the kingdom to come and present themselves at his castle. Those he deemed valiant and righteous and pure of heart would be asked to join his legendary order, the Knights of the Round Table. The first knight was rich and proud. His name was Sir Marcus, and his father was a great lord. His armor was spotless, inlaid with veins of gold that swirled and traced like the rays of the rising sun. His horse was a snowy white, and its saddle and armor, too, were etched with gold. Sir Marcus himself bore a drooping golden mustache and rode tall in his saddle, a lofty expression on his handsome face. The other knight was Sir Sadik. He was of a humbler sort, young with plain armor and a dappled red and white horse. Still, he was very brave and always had a smile on his wide and friendly face. Ho there! he called when he saw the other knight riding down the road in front of him. Sir Marcus, right? He spurred his horse and pulled up next to him. Sir Marcus, I'm Sir Sadik from Cornwall. Are you headed to Camelot as well? Marcus looked at the younger knight. His mustache quivered. Of course I'm heading to Camelot, you whelp, he said. And I don't need a sidekick, so please don't ride so close. A sidekick, said Sadik. I'm a knight as well, sir, and I mean to join the round table of Camelot. Marcus barked a laugh. You? He eyed the younger knight up and down, noting the plain armor and the old sword and shield. His own shield gleamed with gold, and his sword had an egg-sized ruby in the pommel. Good King Arthur is looking for the truest knights in the kingdom not the sweepings of the lesser lords and the hedge knights. You may as well turn back now. Poor as you look, he'll never take you. Sadik was silent for a moment. The first bits of doubt began to form in his mind. Well, that might be, but I'll hear it from King Arthur himself. Suit yourself, whelp, Sir Marcus said and spurred his horse ahead. See you in Camelot he called back over his shoulder. See you there, Sir Sadik said to himself with a sigh. He looked down at his arms and armor. His sword was sharp, his shield sturdy, his plate strong, but it was all plain. Next to Marcus, he looked poor as a pauper. And would King Arthur think the same? No sense in worrying about it, he decided. He would just go and see for himself. Sir Sadik rode all day and would have kept on straight to Camelot, but he was stopped by a group of peasants on the side of the road. Sir Knight! Sir Knight! a woman called. Sir Knight, please! Can you help us? Sadik reined his horse up next to the peasants. Hail and well met, he said. How can I be of help? Bandits raided us, stole our food and even our stew pot. We're starving, hungry, and we're still three days' walk from our village. Bandits? This close to Camelot? Sadik said. It's a disgrace. Of course I can help. It's what any knight would do, milady. He opened his saddlebags and began pulling out some salted meat and vegetables. Ah, uh, said the woman. Tell that to Sir High and Mighty what came by before you. 
We asked him for help the same and he only said that knights aren't obligated to help peasants. Said it's English rule he did. Sadik passed her a bag of food and shook his head. Ah, you must have met Sir Marcus. He's right that by English rule he doesn't need to help, but law is only the half of it. A true knight must be noble and good, not just to the rich, but to everyone and anyone in need. He reached up and undid the clasps on his bucket-style helmet. He took it off, shaking out his sweaty hair, and then put the burlap bag of food inside. Here you go. It's not a stew pot, but it'll work till you get back to the village. The group of peasants all cheered around their little fire. Sir, your helmet? Are you sure? Sadik nodded and smiled widely. It's only a helmet, and you need it more. Keep it safe for me, though. I'll come fetch it after I've joined King Arthur. They thanked him profusely and even tried to make him stay for dinner. He declined, not wanting to take any food from their mouths. I have to keep riding on, he said. I need to make it to Camelot. Good luck, Sir Knight, they called, and he started on down the road again. The moon rose and shone silver on his armor. He rode in peaceful meditation for a few hours, kept company by insects and night birds and his horse's huffing breath. Eventually, he came upon a pair of old women, picking berries by the side of the road. Sir Knight, they called. Could you please help us? Sadik pulled his horse up next to them. Hail and well met, he called. Tell me, how can I help? And as long as we're conversing, why are you picking berries in the dark? The women approached him. Up close, he could see their hands were scratched and raw from the berries' thorns. Bandit stole our gloves, said one. And giant bears pick berries during the day, and we best keep clear of them brutes. Sir Sadek nodded and smiled. I don't have time to get the bear for you, as I'm on my way to Camelot. The old women sighed. But, he continued, I can give you these. He pulled off his steel gloves and the leather lining beneath. He offered them to the women. Take them. You'll have to be gentle, but your hands will be safe. Once I get to Camelot, I'll send hunters for that bear. They took the gauntlets with tears in their eyes. Thank you, Sir Knight. You're so much nicer than the last. Truly. The other only laughed at us and said scratched hands would help us build character. Sadik scowled and shook his head. That'll be Sir Marcus. Don't mind him. Most knights aren't so stingy. Take care now and keep those safe for me. I'll come fetch him after I've joined King Arthur. The women thanked him again and waved goodbye, the steel gauntlets clanking on their hands. Sadik started down the road again and made good time until sunrise, where he was stopped by an old man, bleeding by the side of the road. Sir Knight, he called. Please help me. Sadik reined in his horse and slid down from the saddle. Are you all right, friend? he said, helping the man to his feet. Aye, bandits got me, though. They knocked me out and stole me horse. Now I have nothing to pull me plow, and me farm will fail. Me family will starve, and there's nothing I can do. Sadik nodded and began unhooking saddlebags from his own horse. 
I'm on my way to Camelot, but I'm nearly there now, so why don't you take my horse? He's a kind beast, and he'll learn to plough fast enough. The old man looked at him with wide eyes. Are you sure? It's what any knight would do. The old man rolled his eyes and spat on the ground. You're better than you know, sir, he said. Another knight came by not an hour ago, and he saw me bloody and me horse gone, and didn't even bother stopping. With everything he'd heard about Sir Marcus, Sadik wasn't surprised. Well, don't worry, friend. You're all right now. Just take good care of me horse. I'll be back for him after I join up with King Arthur. Once I'm a knight of the round table, I'll be sure you get a proper plow horse. The old man clasped his hand and thanked him again and again. Finally, Sir Sadik managed to pull himself away and started down the road on foot. The sun rose as he walked, warming his shoulders and heating the steel of his breastplate. He traveled for an hour more before he heard screams from the side of the road. They came echoing through the trees, hard to pinpoint, and Sadik paused to listen closer. Help! Please help me! Sadik ran towards the screams. They sounded familiar to him. They almost sounded like... Sir Marcus! There he was, in a clearing tied to a tree, with one black eye and a swollen lip. He was clad only in silk underwear. His golden armor was heaped in a pile beside him. Sadik, cut me free. The bandits, they robbed me. Yeah, Sadik, came a deep voice from behind him. Cut him free. Sadik whirled, drawing his longsword with a steely shing. Behind him were three bandits. The one with the deep voice had a cruel-looking axe. The other two had the short swords of soldiers. You don't look so rich as this one, but we'll have your armor too, he said. Give it nice and we'll tie you up like your friend here. Put up a fight and your nightly days are done. Sadik looked around the clearing. The bandits had clearly been camping here a while. Among the other stolen treasures, he could see the peasant's cookpot and the old woman's thick leather gloves. There were also several horses, one of which must have belonged to the old man. Give me a sword, Sir Knight, intoned the bandit. Give it nice and easy now. Sir Sadek lifted his blade, looking at it curiously. Because of you, I've given me food and me helmet. I've given me gauntlets and me gloves. I've even given me horse. But me sword? No, he said, throwing down his shield and taking the blade in both hands. If you want me sword, you can come and take it. The bandits roared and rushed him. It was three on one, but they were bandits, and he was a knight, and he would not let their robbery continue. Their leader swung his heavy axe, but Sir Sadek slapped it aside with his sword, the steel screaming as they clashed. He parried one short sword and spun away from the second, letting it bounce harmlessly off his backplate. Surround him, called the bandit leader, and they started to spread out. Sadek held his sword in front of him, turning to keep them all in his sight. One started to slip behind him, and he knew he had to make a move before they came at him from three sides. He shouted and slashed at the nearest bandit, making him jump back, and then spun and charged the leader, taking him off guard. 
He blocked the axe to one side and then slammed the flat of his blade along the man's head, knocking him out cold. Behind you, Sadik, Marcus called. The knight whirled and raised his blade just in time, catching a bandit's sword inches from his face. He roared and bulled forward, sending the bandit stumbling back onto his rear. He looked up just as Sadik kicked him deftly with a steel boot, knocking him sprawling in the dirt. The third bandit looked at his two friends, moaning on the ground, and then looked back to Sir Sadik. Surrender, Sadik said, raising his sword. Never, he shouted, charging forward. Sir Sadik let him come, waiting for his moment. The bandit swung his short sword down with all his might, like he was a butcher with a cleaver. Sadik stepped deftly to the side and caught the man by the wrists, using the bandit's own momentum to tumble him onto the ground. The short sword clattered into the brush, and Sadik stood over the man, blade to his neck. Surrender, he said. Ah, surrender I do, the bandit puffed. His wide eyes stared at the sword. Mercy, please. Kill him, Sadik, said Sir Marcus from the tree. Kill them all. They embarrassed me. They attacked me. Me, a knight. He surrendered, Marcus, Sadik said. He's asked for mercy. No true knight would kill an unarmed man, defeated on the ground before him. Where is the honor in that? They raised their hands to me, these peasants. If you don't have the stomach whelp, untie me and let me finish it. I'll show you what a true knight is made of. Sir Sadik stood there for a long moment. He looked into the wild eyes of the bandit, saw the man's throat tremble and sweat under his blade. No, he said. They are defeated. I will bring them to Camelot for the king's justice. You're a fool, spat Marcus. A tiny bird flitted down from the trees and landed on the tip of Sadik's sword. The knight lifted it gently, looking at the little bird in wonder. What in the... There was a flash so sudden and bright Sadik was left blinded for a moment. When he finally managed to blink his eyes back open, the bird was gone. In its place was an old man in a druid's robes. His white hair fell near to his waist and his beard was just as long. He seemed to glow with power and Sadik could see the future in his eyes. He dropped to his knees, holding his sword before him in respect. Merlin, he said in disbelief. It's me, it's Merlin, the old druid agreed with a smile. Rise, sir knight. I've been watching your journey and you need not bow to me. You've proven your generosity on the road. You've proven your sword against these bandits. And you've proven your honor with your mercy. Truly, you are the sort of knight King Arthur needs for his round table. Hurry on to Camelot and take your place, good sir, Sadduk. Sadduk felt tears come to his eyes. They had been watching the whole time? He should have known. They say nothing happened this close to Camelot without drawing Merlin's attention. Thank you, Merlin, he said and clasped the druid's hand. I'll see you in Camelot. I look forward to it, Merlin said. What about me? called Sir Marcus, still lashed to his tree. Send me on to Camelot, wizard. I'm a richer knight than this. 
Merlin spun on Marcus, his expression dark as a summer storm. You, sir, scoffed at hungry peasants. You laughed at old women in need. You rode by a bleeding man and offered no help. And then, when the bandits confronted you, you surrendered rather than fight. Merlin was near roaring now, and he paused just for a moment to turn to Sadek. Hurry on to Camelot now. Sir Marcus and I need to have a long talk. Sir Sadek nodded and swung onto one of the bandit's horses. As he urged it into a gallop, he could hear the old druid bellowing at the selfish knight. But that was behind him now, and Camelot lay ahead. He couldn't help but smile. The End Today's story, The Road to Camelot, was an original story written for you by Daniel Hines and performed for you by me, Amanda Weldon. If you would like to support Stories Podcast, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes, make a monthly donation at patreon.com stories, or simply tell your friends about us. Thanks for listening!